With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded that live. Is one good looking bunch of folks. Oh, I didn't see you all. Looking good today. A lot of folks are gone this time of year here. That's uh this part of the country is a whole different thing than I've ever been exposed to before in that regard. <clears throat> you know, the cows had to be milked every week, 52 weeks a year, so people weren't gone. It was a dairy uh, community. <clears throat> We're talking about defining the word spirit. One more week, and we'll be done. We won't be done, but we will have... I think adequately defined the term so that we will know how to use it, hopefully. <clears throat> Actually, the word spirit, going, can you go back one? Where are we here? All right. Actually, the word spirit in any, any source of reference that you go to doesn't make any difference what form of theology, it will always be defined as breath or wind. In this case, uh, if we're talking about the Spirit of God, we're talking about that which comes forth from the from God. We look now at the next chart and we get the actual definitions of the term as we apply that word to that, and uh, at the top of the page, spirit, that's the evidence of what something is or isn't. Uh, it's the evidence that gives a person, place, or thing its identity. If we define the word more literally, it's the inherent. It is what comes out of a person that's beyond, it can't be changed. It's what a person really is. It's their true essence that, is, that comes forth and can be seen. It's the release. That's why the word breath has a driven wind. It means with force. It comes out, it's released. It's the characteristic that define the nature of a person, thing, or action. So we've all of these phrases here, and there are probably more. If I missed them, it was not intentional. Uh, these are all the same phrase. We Last week we talked about the spirit of truth. And we're looking at it from the standpoint of what is the spirit of truth? Well, it's not a separate entity, now, every other church up and down this street talks about spirit as an entity. 
every church in Coolidge that's not a New Testament church looks at the Spirit as a separate entity. It is never in the Scriptures a separate entity. Your breath is not a separate person. It's who you are. And so when we begin to see that word, you see, the word should have never been translated spirit to begin with. That's because of a bias back in the 4th century. We're carrying that baggage of that bias with us to this day in that we see the spirit, we think of a person. But folks, it is always in the neuter gender, no exceptions, can never be a person or an entity, it always is reflective of something much greater than that. That's why the blasphemy of the Spirit is when we refer to the Spirit of God as a person rather than who he is. When we speak against God and his Spirit, we're speaking about the very character and nature of God That's blasphemy. So we have to realize that we have, uh, all of us, we have a hard time coming out of the biases and the prejudices of our earlier days and we have instilled upon in our mind of the doctrine of the Trinity, which is not biblical. And it comes from the idea of the word uh, of the Spirit. In fact, I was told just two weeks ago here that well we know that there's God the Son I mean God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Spirit how many have you ever heard that phrase how many have ever found that in the Bible not there why isn't it there because it's not true we know about God the Father We know about the son who had a God and who had a father, but he was always subordinate to the father as the son. He came as the son of God to become become the son of man. But the spirit, he's not a separate entity of the Godhead. He is simply the representative of the nature and character. It is that representative that we've missed. And so in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 23, he's making a whole list of things, and he says that each of you need to be developing the process of that verse, the process of developing a, the spirits of just man having been made perfect. God God's word to us is that our spirit be like his spirit, that our nature, our character be like his nature and like his character. And where does that place the responsibility? Folks, that places the responsibility on you. The church's responsibility is to educate your spirit to be equal to that of God's spirit to take on the likeness of God's character, to see see life as God sees life, thus developing the Spirit of God. We haven't done that. 
We've talked about three persons missing the whole point. And I think it's a tragedy that the church is really having to come to grips with today. We need to realize that our responsibility as Christians now is that we develop our spirit into being like the Spirit of God. And Jesus said, my words are spirit. My words are spirit. It's through his words that our spirit takes on the likeness of God. There is no other way. God works through his word, and the purpose of the word is the involvement of developing your spirit so that you can be in your spirit a true representative of what Christ's spirit is. And we're to have it among us all. So we're looking at these terms because they're, they're, they're all, the, all these terms are the spirit of truth, the spirit of grace, the spirit of glory. We talked about those last week. The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation. See, wisdom has a spirit. What's the difference between the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of foolishness? The wisdom is, foolishness means empty-headed. How many of you qualify? You do? Well, excel in it. (laughs) Do the best you can be at being an empty head. The word foolish simply means to be empty-headed. Wisdom means to be full-headed. Wisdom means to be able to see everything from God's perspective. Have anybody mastered that? But as you begin to see life from God's perspective, that's the beginning of the developing of your spirit. Your spirit. You have to realize that you have a spirit, and it is your spirit that goes back to God when you die. Even Jesus, when he died on the cross, Lord, receive my spirit. Not a separate entity, but who he was. His full disclosure of his character and of his nature. Lord, receive my spirit. Don't receive you know, a a separate person over here instead of me, receive who I am. And, of course, we have that so many times used in the Scriptures that we have a spirit. Our spirit is to be made holy, and when we die, it's the spirit that goes back to God. Your spirit goes back to God. The business of the church is to educate the spirit of the individuals within that body. We all need to be the developing, uh, be, be developing our spirits to be as God wants them to be. Now, can you imagine if we all had the spirit of truth? What's the spirit of truth as opposed to the spirit of lying? We know that everybody's going to speak the truth. We may not always like it, But the spirit of truth always has the ring of truth to it. And the spirit of wisdom means that we always have that, because it's who we are, we look at life and attempt to see life and its problems and its victories 
through the eyes of our maker. And in a secular, uh, horizontal fashion, it's just seeing life. The word wisdom really just means to see life from another person's perspective. But wisdom in the vertical perspective is that we are seeing life from God's perspective. And that creates in us uh, who we are. How do we look at life? How we look at life, that's our spirit. Do we see life through another person's perspective? Do we see life only from our perspective? How does that affect the work you do? How does it affect how you do your work, Neil? If you're looking at life from only your perspective and the profit that you get from your profit uh, from your product, does that differ than looking at it not only from having that product, but looking at it from the standpoint of, will this do the job that the client wants done? That's wisdom. Looking at it not just from what I'm getting out of it, but what does somebody else get out of it? Who I'm working for? What they're going to be paying for? That's the spirit of wisdom. It's not a separate entity. When you make wisdom a separate entity, what do you make? You make it a, it's a removed thing. It has no merit, no meaning to you. So all of these phrases come, come to mean nothing as soon as you put a person into that word spirit instead of it being the identity, the expression of what something is. We have the spirit of wisdom. We have the spirit of revelation. That is this, the, that God has revealed. The spirit of revelation is that we realize that it isn't what comes out of us that counts, but it's what comes out of God's revelation to us that counts. What has God said about it? What is God's teaching on this issue? Not how I feel about it, not how I was brought up, but what is God's teaching for the church today? The spirit of revelation. We are dependent upon that. And the revelation is not a separate person out here that we can cut off and crucify. It's, it's what comes out of revelation. It's the nature, the being part of revelation, of God's revelation to us. And we're very subject to that. Then we have another one. We're not reading a lot of these verses because we're limited in time. But the spirit of prophecy. Prophecy has its own spirit. Prophecy means, means specifically, the word prophetes means one who speaks for another. A prophet is one who speaks for another. And prophecy is what it is that God has said about something that we cannot know apart from that revelation. That's prophetic. So we live in keeping with that because it has a nature that it reveals to us. And Christians are subject to the spirit of prophecy. It's not a separate person. It doesn't comb its hair. It doesn't have to wear a shirt. It doesn't have to have sandals. It's not an entity. It's what it is. Spirit is always the inherent nature, characteristic of something that is being read, can be expressed. Now we're getting substance to the idea of why 
the word pneumatos, which is translated spirit, but really means forced air. And all that it comes through is that which gives to us the insight into anything. We go to a ball game. Oh, I've talked about this last week. You go to a ball game. What's the difference between the losing side and the winning side? Who can tell me? Can you tell by listening? What's the difference? Somebody guess. Be wrong. What? How, how do you know that? Can you hear it? Boo. What about, some, what about the winning side? How do you know that one, one side of the bleachers, oh, they're on the winning side? How can you tell? They're cheering. They're yah, yah, yay, 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 you know. Oh, wow, they're happy. That's their spirit being revealed between winning and losing. Not a separate entity running around with four wheels. Four wheels, four legs, five legs, whatever, you know. So spirit defined is the inherent and released. That means it has to be released. It has to be seen. And all of these things that are listed in the Bible as spirit of something are all things that have something that identifies them. The spirit of prophecy, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of truth always has something that has a ring necessary to its essential character in nature. We go on down the list. We have the spirit of gentleness. Let's, let's read that one. We've got, we've got to read something today. <clears throat> let's go to 1 Corinthians. But, there, but the phrase is always the same. It's the spirit of and it's always the same Greek word for spirit. Always in the neuter gender. Never is it in the masculine or feminine gender. It's always in the neuter gender. Therefore, can never be a person. So let's go here. Let's go and let's read 1 Corinthians 4, 21. Now, we're only looking for that phrase. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 21. What do you desire? Shall I come to you with a rod? Or with love? And with the spirit of gentleness? Now, I don't know. uh, Can you pull that up in the Greek for me? The spirit of right here. You see here? Spirit. Um the spirit of the meekness. The spirit. You notice that's in the what gender? See there? You thought I was kidding you all this time. It's always in the neuter gender. Breath couldn't be anything else. You can't have a feminine gender. Just what would a feminine gender smell like? In breath. See, we have just made it ridiculous. So the the spirit here of meekness or of gentleness, and you know what that word gentleness, that's, that's really meekness, you know what that word means? That means tamed. Now what about Moses? It says he was the meekest of all men. And yet he killed an Egyptian. 
And if you go out and you start killing Egyptians, I'm not going to think of you as being a weak man, a, a meek person, am I? But you see, Paul, Moses was referred to as the meekest of all men because that he did out of a discipline because that Egyptian was killing one of his brethren. It made the difference. He was defending his nationality. But the word meekness is a circus term. How many of you have ever been to a circus? Oh, I'm, I'm glad some of you are really people. I love a circus. I used to sneak off and get in big trouble to go to a circus. I remember my, oh, my dad got really unhappy one time. I didn't let him know I was going, and I did. I wish I hadn't. I'll not, not forget that encounter. But, you know, the word meekness comes from a circus term, and it means to be tamed. So you see the lion in the cage, and the lion trainer has that lion trained to do what the trainer wants it to do. So in that sense, the lion is meek in that it is tamed by the trainer. This word that's used here for the spirit of meekness or the spirit of gentleness comes from the word having been tamed because you are trained. You get it? Tamed, domesticated as a human being, tamed because you've been trained, disciplined by the trainer. That's what the Word of God does for us. It is in the constant process of training us to become domestically tamed. And when we are tamed, that means our emotions are under the control of our training. Then we are meek. And the spirit of meekness, folks, you can see now that the spirit of meekness just permeates a group where they have excelled in being tamed by the trainer and have become meek and gentle. You get into some of these church board meetings, and that's all gone. Meekness is gone. Control is gone. Where's the training? It didn't have any effect. So he is saying the spirit of gentleness here is the spirit that you reflect of when you have been properly trained and have become domestically and religiously, spiritually You've become gentle. And it's the idea of some things. In, you know, when I go out into up to the cabin in Washington, we have a lot of cougars up there. They're not good bed buddies. If you go to sleep with a cat, they'll eat you. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be eaten twice. And I've, see, I've been walking along a, a roadway along a rock cliff, and I didn't know why, but I could look up on the left three or 400 feet away, and I could see, you know, the cats up there, or a cat. 
following up on the rock rim like it was stalking me. Then I, I happened on this one time, I came around a corner and I realized that where they weren't after me, they were after some elk that were, you know, from here to that wall away from me when I rounded the corner. Of course, they took off and the cat took off. I never saw any of them again. I, you know, they couldn't catch up with me is why. <laughs> but but any, anyway, the... Um, uh, that that idea of being tamed is so critical when you see this word meekness and it's not a special entity because that word spirit is there rather than the identity of what that person is or what that characteristic is. We think of it as a person because we have to. If we think of it that way up here, we have to think of it that way down here. You can't change it because it's the same phrase all the way through. Always the same. Always neuter. So remember that whenever you read in your English text the word spirit, it really should have been translated breath. But you have to realize that breath carries with it all of the connotations of what it is it came from all of his characteristics, all of his nature. That's why I'm spending so much time in the definition because I don't intend to do this again in my lifetime, anyway, probably. But we have to, if you can get it, folks, get what it means. So the spirit of gentleness, then, is that spirit that other people can see, you know, I, I don't have to look over my shoulder for this person. When I look, when I go to the woods and I see a cat, I'm always watching because I don't trust the cougars. You know they're big. They will, they will, they will come at you. I don't, I, I trust bear, and I see bear almost every day. Don't mind the bear, because if you don't invade their territory, they don't invade yours. But you never trust a cat. Now I've got a big cat. It's. Lana's friend. And it's a Himalayan cat. It's big, huh? It's pretty big. Yeah, you know, it, it, it could almost get into this auditorium lengthwise. It's big. And I don't exaggerate at all. That's the spirit of exaggeration. See? Just trying to illustrate my term more. But, but, you, but something that's not tamed, that's not domesticated, you always have to be careful of. You're, it's like you're always walking on eggshells with a person that's not meek. You never know what's going to hurt their feelings. But you see, once we get out of that and we develop the spirit of meekness, then people don't have to look over their back, over their shoulder to see what you're doing or how you're thinking or what you're going to be saying behind their back. That's why it's so critical for the church to understand that the spirit of meekness and the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation, the spirit of glory, the spirit of grace, the spirit of truth, all of these things, are, they're all expressive of some characteristic that you have. And it's readable by people. Readable by people. It is never a separate entity. It loses all of its meaning and strength and substance. Let's look at another one. Romans 8, 15. Romans 8, 15. 
we're only going to, this is probably the last one we'll get a chance to read. <clears throat> so in Romans 8.14, for all who are being led in spirit, I hate to tell you this, but there's a translation problem here that we don't have time to go on to here, but let me read it just the way it should be. For all who are being led in spirit, whose spirit? Your spirit. Of, but your spirit, you need to be led in the spirit that belongs to God, his identity, his nature. These are the sons of God. For if you have not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear... So he's telling us here that the spirit of slavery is not a separate entity, but it's that which reflects a certain level of fear. We find a lot of times that folks in the church, it just seems like they live in fear. They're afraid of everything. What do they call that? Paranoia. I was at the Safeway store this morning and uh, here in Coolidge. And... Um, on the way out, the cash, cashier lady was very kind, and I said, I don't know what happened. When I, I came in, I, my snake got away from me. <laughs> I, I, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do here. But, you know, she jumped <laughs> right off the floor. <laughs> I said, I don't know. I can't, I can't find it anywhere. Don't know where it is. And I said, it was a rattler. Well, then I had, you know, I had, she realized I was just kidding her. Um, But, you know, we live in fear. She says, we ought not do that. That's the spirit. That's the spirit of slavery. So the spirit of slavery represents itself as when we live in fear of this happening or that paranoia. But he goes on, but you have received the spirit of adoption. See, on one hand, the spirit of slavery. On the other hand, the spirit of adoption, that I've been adopted. How does that express itself? It means no no matter who I am, what kind of a tribe I came out of, what nation I was born in, what level of strata of society I was born in, if I'm a Christian, I, I enjoy and am privileged with the spirit of adoption. I've been chosen. I'm special. The spirit of adoption. And as soon as you change that into how we usually think of it as into a separate entity, there's no meaning to it, no substance to it at all. But as long as we keep it as the word meaning what something is, then we have something we can latch on to and it becomes meaningful to us. And just two more and we close. Down at the very end, you can see, you can see all the rest of these. The spirit of, la- of, of slavery, the spirit of adoption, the spirit of faith, the spirit of the Lord, And the spirit of the mouth. Is your mouth a separate entity? Slap it if it is. 
<laughs> no, no, it's Second Thessalonians two eight, and the word there. They've actually they've actually translated it right. They've actually translated it in my translation as the word breath, the breath of your mouth. But it's the same word. It's the word spirit. The spirit of the mouth, the breath. Of, it's the same thing. It should have been breath. Breath is right. But you see, they didn't change it everywhere else. They kept the word spirit because there's a bias. And that bias goes all the way back to Augustine. So we're, we're just trying to illustrate what this word means. And then the spirit of Christ and the spirit of God, which is among you. So that means that the body of Christ is the place where God dwells. It is his habitat. And so his nature and his character and what God is should be in our midst. It should be among us. All of these characteristics should be among us, should be a part of us as we partake of them individually because we're a part of it corporately as to where God is. The church of Jesus Christ is his habitat. And in that, his spirit and the, Christ, and the spirit of Christ dwell among us. And we need to be become then participants of that nature, of that character. And then when we do, we will become a dynamic force for God. And as long as we persist in making the spirit a separate entity, we lose all of its substance and we leave God as a shell. Because God is spirit. And if his spirit is a separate entity from what and who he is, then we leave God empty and all we have is the shell of a God. Be careful about what you think about the Spirit. We're going to sing. That's all. It's the driving force. It is that which is observable. That which you can see about anyone, about anything. It's what you can observe. What you observe represents what that thing is or what that person is. That's the spirit of that person or that thing. Now, the spirit of old red out here, old reliable red, 22 years old, and it has a spirit. It knows where I'm going, and when I come out the door, it revs up, and it starts, says, come on, let's get to Coolidge. It's the spirit. <laughs> It's not a separate entity. It just simply knows. And I know it so well. It has never failed me. And what you observe about the inconsistency in, in about a person and their life or about a thing and what it is, about a ball game, about anything else, what you can observe represents what that person is truly. Sometimes we can be deceived. But that's why we started with the spirit of truth. That has to be there as well. Let's stand as we sing. Become one who has the spirit open to becoming holy as God's spirit is holy.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.